No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth radio show shall constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation or diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes. When it comes to investing, retirement, and legacy planning, the decisions you make today can greatly impact the quality of life for both you and your loved ones tomorrow. What you need is straight, unbiased information on the most important issues you'll face when planning for your financial future. Good news. You found the Growing Your Wealth radio show with Brian Evans. Brian is the founder of Madrona Financial Services, and with his background as a CPA, he brings a unique perspective to the investment and financial planning world. He follows the philosophy rooted in his tax experience of, it's not what you make, but what you keep. And this focus on tax-smart investment strategies is all part of the fully integrated planning strategy known as the Madrona Bundle of Services. You'll hear Brian's thoughts on everything impacting your portfolio, from income to taxes, and from growth opportunities to long-term security. This is your source of comprehensive financial information. You'll soon understand why they call it the Madrona Difference. So get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. And welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Thank you so much and welcome to Growing Your Wealth, the radio show that gives you straight talk and honest answers about how to invest better, live better, retire better, and give better. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have some valuable information for you during the coming hour that could change your financial life for the better. My name is Jeff Shade, and I'm just here to ask the questions, but the words of wisdom and the solid advice come from the expert, Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. How are you doing today, Brian? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to hear it as always. I hope our listeners are doing well today, too. We appreciate you joining us every week here on the radio. As you've probably noticed, if you're a regular listener, we're not here to sell you anything, but we're just going to tell you things. We're going to educate you. We have the heart of a teacher and not that of a salesperson. And, of course, the goal is for you to get the information that you need to help you make a better decision when it comes to your financial life. Well, on today's show, Brian, we're going to be talking about some interesting things that are happening across the country. First of all, I read a story a couple of days ago that rent control, or at least a bill, was passed in California. I think it has to go one more step before it becomes law, but that was passed in California a couple of weeks ago, and that is really going to severely limit how much landlords can raise rents no matter what their circumstances. Yeah, I know that Oregon passed a statewide rent control this last year, and now California's put that uh, through the legislature. Now, initially, most of these things, it's kind of like the state income tax in Washington. You know, we don't have one right now. And what we're going to do at some point, I'm sure, is we'll get a proposal that'll kind of try and sneak its way through and say, oh, we're just going to tax, you know, 1% mm -hmm. or something. And, and, you know, of course, 1% becomes 3, becomes 5, and eventually it becomes 10. And that's just how these things work. Right. And so in California, you know, they said, oh, we're just going to cap it at 5% a year. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that that seems reasonable and low inflation and all of that, but pretty darn sure that it's not going to stay at 5%. And here's another, there's so many unintended consequences to a lot of these things. I mean, 
I, I understand nobody wants to see people have to move because their rent's too high. Of course, that's a that's a noble noble thing there. I I, I would say. However. It's who you're going to put the the cost of that uh, on the backs of is really where I go. And then there's some unintended consequences. So, for instance, if I had a rundown unit there or an apartment building or something, and I wanted to put, you know, a million or two, borrow from the bank and and fix it up, make it really nice, and then get, you know, market rents for the the condition that it's in, whatever that is, I would have to raise rents more than 5% to do that. And if I have a law on the books that says I can't do that, I cannot raise rents, then what are the chances that I'm going to go to the bank and borrow millions of dollars to rehab an apartment building? Exactly. You're just not going to get that money back. And it occurs to me, too, that if you can't rehab your apartment building, that these old buildings are just going to get older and the quality of those buildings is going to deteriorate. You're really not going to have a very good standard of life if you can't do something about it. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And, you know, I I think the thing that bothers me the most about the rent control, again, it's uh, who doesn't want people to be able to afford their place, of course. It's just it's it's usually a legislature saying uh, we want something and we're going to select who is going to pay for this uh, ourselves. And we've decided we're not going to select ourselves. We're not going to do it through taxation and spread this. We're, We're usually going to target a group. And the group they keep going back to, it seems like on a lot of things, are landlords. And so different people have different kinds of businesses. Some people, you know, are accountants and lawyers, and some people are mechanics, and some people work in manufacturing or teachers, and some people are landlords. And so to continually go back to landlords and say, well, you know, it's really your responsibility to fix our our housing and homelessness and our problem and our rising rents problem because of industry moving in with high paying jobs. It's really the landlord's problem to fix. And so we're going to gather all of our our laws and regulations and attack you guys and say you guys are going to pay for what we weren't able to uh, take care of. But people may say, you know, hey, 5%, what's that to this big corporate group that owns these apartment Mm -hmm. buildings? And yeah, there are corporate groups who do own these apartment buildings and rentals, but I think a large percentage of these rentals are just owned by mom and pops. I mean, people who decided to invest in real estate years ago, and now they're really being handicapped. Yeah, I mean, that's that's certainly the case. I mean, most real estate that I'm aware of is owned by people, not by these nebulous corporations. And even, you know, even if it's owned by real estate investment trusts, you know, always corporations and REITs and and every entity is owned by individuals in the end. Boeing does not own Boeing, you know, for instance, you know, it's just an entity. It's just a corporate shell. And Boeing stock is owned by people, many of which work at Boeing. I mean, certainly most people at Boeing have a lot of Boeing stock, for instance, in their 401ks. And it's owned by other investors across the country. It's in the S&P 500. So if you have a S&P 500 investment. So that's just an example of, you know, Boeing doesn't own Boeing. It's individuals that own Boeing. And it's the same thing with real estate if you own it through a REIT or a DST or something like that. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is, you know, I think that, uh, well, there's there's one other piece of this I wanted to talk about. And, uh, you know, we saw rent control go in cities. That was, you know, and, and usually you think New York and all that. And you go, oh, okay, I see what they're trying to do. And then it became a statewide thing. And now states are just passing rent control. Well, Bernie Sanders says, that's not enough. I want national rent control. Mm. So he came out with a plan that will cost another $2.5 trillion over the next 10 years. 
and uh, keeps going back to well. We're going to talk about this in the next segment, about the math of all of this. Uh, you can't have $100 and say, you know what? Uh, I'm going to spend $100 on groceries. I'm going to save $100. I'm going to give $100 away to charity. I'm going to put a $100 repair bill in my car because I have $100. Wait, wait a second. You just spent that four times. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about in the next wow. segment, doing some math here. But, okay, national rent control. So now that it's a topic of conversation, it's out there, we're going to see more and more of a push to this. And, and I just think, I, well, I know a lot of people listening to my show own rental real estate. And I, I think that more and more, we're, you know, now we're seeing prices level off. And as my landlords are getting kind of frustrated with legislature uh, and uh, uh, maybe things coming down the road, they might be thinking now's a good time to sell that real estate and do a Delaware statutory trust. And of course, the benefits of not paying income tax now, maybe never improving your diversity outside of the local area, um, generally increasing your, your cash flow in many cases, not having to be a landlord anymore, all these different factors. Might You might say, well, I, I've been hearing about this DST. Maybe now's a chance, you know, good opportunity for me to really look at and consider selling your rental real estate, knowing that I don't think things are going to be getting better. Yeah, I don't think the future, if this all comes to pass, is favorable for people who own this particular real estate. And what I mean by that is individuals and uh, maybe families who own real estate. I can see corporate groups being able to do it, but I think that there are going to be fewer and fewer private individuals who are owning this real estate. And as you said, I think maybe right now is a good time to get out of it because not only do you have the toilets, the tenants, and the trash, and you're 70 years of age, you don't want to deal with that stuff anymore. It's time to enjoy your life and maybe let a corporate group buy your apartment building. There are a lot of people out there who want to continue to receive rental income, but, you know, they don't want to deal with the terrible T's. So the answer is a Delaware statutory trust, or it very well could be an answer. So let's explore that a little bit more. Let's say that I have an apartment building that maybe I paid $100,000 for way back when. I've owned it all these years. It's now worth a million dollars. I go ahead and sell it. So how do I convert my $900,000 gain into a Delaware statutory trust? Yeah, you use Section 1031 of the tax code, and you'll sell it just like normal, but before it uh, closes, uh, you have to have certain wording in the purchase sale agreement, but that's pretty much boilerplate anymore. When you sell it, uh, the money goes to a qualified intermediary that we would help you find. And then uh, in the meantime, we found replacement properties that are classified as Delaware Statutory Trust, so eligible for Section 1031 treatment. So you sell your million-dollar property. We put a million dollars into probably several different ones, two, three, four different investments of real estate in different states, maybe different types of, of real estate, maybe apartment buildings and and uh, long-term retail leases uh, like Walgreens stores, that kind of thing, or maybe it's self-storage or medical office, you know, whatever's available at the time that we vetted, we would look at to see if it makes sense. And so your million dollars would come in, a million dollars, would you wouldn't pay any income tax on that. Uh, we go into these new investments. The following month, you start getting your monthly rent checks. You just don't have to be a landlord anymore. Um, we'd go over in person what those rent checks would look like. You do have to be an accredited investor, but in your example, you gave me a million dollar property, and that's, mm-hmm. that's the 
definition of accredited, you got to have a million dollars net worth outside of your principal residence. Right. And so we were, we were there in your, your example. I have so many people wanting to do this, especially people looking for an exit strategy to their real estate, a retirement strategy from their real estate. And uh, you mentioned uh, selling to uh, you know larger entities. A lot of times it's just it's just a matter of selling to the younger generation. But real estate did what it was supposed to do. You bought yours in your 20s, 30s, or 40s. And now that you're in your 60s, 70s, or whatever, you're saying, well, it was good to me. It did go way up in value. Um, now I'd like to increase my rents, my cash flow, still stay in real estate, but I don't want to be a landlord. Let that younger generation take over my old job of fixing toilets and doing all that stuff. Uh, they got the time and energy for that. I want to go play a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good point there, too. I did say corporate groups. I mean, those are some people that could buy your apartment building. But as you said, there are younger people out there, too, who want to make the money the way that you did as, as well, too. I also mentioned uh, the fact that if I had a $100,000 building and I sold it for a million, I was talking about investing just the gain, the $900,000, but you can invest the entire million dollars. But let's say that I want to keep $100,000 back. Can I do that? Yeah, it's a good question. I get asked that all the time. Yes, you can, but yes, you'll pay income tax. And in this scenario, you probably took depreciation for most of that. So that's the first uh, tax bracket would be the 25% depreciation recapture bracket. After you've uh, recaptured depreciation, you might be paying at 15, 20, or 23.8% on your capital gains. So any money you hold out is called boot, and boot is taxable. And so if you sold it for a million dollars and you kept a hundred grand out, uh, plan on about $25,000 income tax bill on that scenario. Okay, so this is a great tax strategy as well, too, because as you said, you're sort of kicking that tax can down the road. And let's say your Delaware Statutory Trust investment lasts for, I don't know, five, seven years. When that's done, I mean, can you reinvest the money into another Delaware Statutory Trust? Yeah, you can do a, a number of things. You can either do other Delaware statutory trusts, and that's what most people do because they want the eventual step up in basis someday and pay zero income tax on all of their gains and depreciation recapture. Uh, you can go back into the rental market. You can say, you know, I miss uh, swapping out toilets and I miss my tenants. <laughs> yeah, right. And you can go back and buy a rental house, uh, do another 1031 exchange back into actively managed real estate. You can take your money, pay the tax, or you can take your money and because there's been a death of one of the owners, uh, have a step up in basis, take your money without paying any income tax and do whatever you want with it. So the Delaware Statutory Trust very well might be a good exit strategy for you if you are an active landlord. If you want more information about that, to sit down and speak with someone here at Madrona Financial Services and get all your questions answered personally, I invite you to call 844-MADRONA to sit down and get your personal appointment. Of course, no cost for that. There is no obligation whatsoever. It's just a fact-finding mission to determine whether or not a DST may be right for you. Once again, that number is 844-MADRONA. And as always, you can find out more about the firm online at madronafinancial.com. And also, Brian, you have a website for DSTs too, don't you? Yeah, it's madrona1031.com, and there's a lot of information there. madrona1031.com. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth. Jeff Shade here. Brian Evans on the other side of the console here. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be doing a little bit of real math for you regarding that top 1%. All that and more when our show continues right after this. Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans will be right back with even more ways to help you stay focused on your retirement goals. Do you want to learn how to own shares of income producing major commercial real estate properties without taking on any debt? Join Madrona Financial Services for a free DST Lunch and Learn event at Matt's Rotisserie and Oyster Lounge in Redmond on October 9th or Lombardi's Everett on October 10th at noon to learn about the many benefits of Delaware Statutory Trusts. 
A DST can also qualify as a 1031 exchange, so you can potentially defer the capital gains taxes on the sale of your highly appreciated income property. Learn how you can invest in current income-producing properties without any of the obligations or management hassles of property ownership. These events fill up quickly, so call 844-MADRONA today. You'll also learn about the Madrona Bundle of Services, which brings everything you need to plan for retirement under one roof. Join us for a free DST and Madrona Bundle Lunch and Learn on Wednesday, October 9th in Redmond, or on Thursday, October 10th in Everett. Reserve your seats today at 844-MADRONA or register at madronafinancial.com. That's M-A-D-R-O-N-A financial.com. At Madrona Financial Services, we help people finance their retirement so they can spend their time living life instead of worrying about it. The fact of the matter is, your portfolio will likely need to last about 30 years or more. And the sooner you do something about it, the better off you can be. So if you're not 100% sure that your plan is rock solid, Call us today at 844-MADRONA for a review. It's super easy. We'll ask you a bunch of questions to find out what's most important in your life and what makes you happy. Next, we'll review your current plan, and then our team will strategize on ways to make your portfolio, your tax strategy, your use of Social Security, and an estate plan better suited for you. At Madrona Financial Services, we want your retirement to be about living life, and we'll sweat the small stuff for you. Call us today for your free review at 844-MADRONA. That's 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. Or visit us at madronafinancial.com. Tired of getting only half the story? We've got you covered with the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now, here's Brian. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, I'm going to be talking about the math skills of some of the politicians that I've been hearing on TV. Now, Brian, when you and I went to grade school, and I know that your father was a math teacher, so maybe you had a leg up there, but you were born smart anyway. I think we basically learned one and one was two, and two and two was four, and so forth and so on. And we learned our addition, our subtraction, our multiplication. And we learned that 2 plus 8 equaled 10, but 2 plus 9 didn't equal 10. And it seems that our politicians today seem to have forgotten some of their basic math skills. Give me an example of how that works. Yeah, I've been listening to politicians, and what I keep going back to, and and, and this could apply to all of them, frankly, both sides of the aisle, because I, I do believe I'm a kind of a, a deficit and debt hawk here. I, I'm uh-huh. really not happy about the future of the country in, in certain respects. I mean, everybody everybody has things that they don't like about the direction of the country, and, and one of my primary ones, I think the one that could really undermine the long-term success of a nation is getting so far into debt, you can't pay it back. I mean, just think about a household. I mean, what what happens when you get so far in debt, you can't pay it back? Go bankruptcy. Oh, that, yeah. Okay. (laughs) And I always have this reminder on my desk, and people always ask me, and I can answer it really quickly. I had, you know, they come in, they say, well, what happens if our debt gets so far out of control, we can't pay for it anymore? I said, well, then uh, we have something called hyperinflation, and I reach behind and I have it real close because I grab it every week and I show it to somebody. It's my $100 trillion Zimbabwe oh, yeah. uh, banknote. Right, right. And uh, it's a real, real piece of currency. It yeah. was $100 trillion right. and uh, didn't buy you anything. But because no matter how many zeros, their currency was worthless. And so, you know, if we have $100 trillion in debt someday and we can't pay it back, uh, we just, you know, our 
currency just devalues and we give people these pieces of paper to pay back their hundred trillion. But, you know, they can't buy anything with that because our currency is worthless. Yeah, we should do a little game show here called Who Wants to Be a Turkish Millionaire? Yeah. I've got some Turkish million-dollar bills in the cabinet here right behind I mean, me, too. Yeah, so, I, you know, it bothers me. And and uh, the last politician that I heard even talk about the deficit was Ross Perot. And before that was Ronald Reagan. Those are the last two. I've, only two in my lifetime, I think, have ever talked about it. Do you ever hear any of them talk about this stuff during the debates? No. Never. In fact, the last debate, they didn't even talk about the economy, not mm. even for a second. Interesting. And so um, I think it's pretty important. And so I, I was listening to these folks and, and their proposals, and they said, well, we want green energy. How are you going to pay for that? Oh, the the billionaires and millionaires. Okay. So the top one, they, there's one of two places. The, the two places they always talk about is the top 1% and the top one-tenth of 1%. So I, I just mentioned in the last segment that Bernie Sanders wants national rent control. He wants to go after the top one-tenth of one percent. People love that because they usually go, well, that's not me. That's someone else. Okay, I'm good with that. And then we look at the top one percent and, they, okay, Medicare for all. We're going to have it paid for by the top one percent. So recently I saw a show and, and Elizabeth Warren was on it. And I think it was Stephen Colbert or somebody. And he was saying, okay, now I've seen you dance around the answer to this question. Let me ask you real straight up. Will the middle class see a tax increase? And she's like, well, that's not really how we have to look at it. You know, the costs are going to you know, go down and blah, 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 and did a political uh, redirect. And, you know, he started laughing. Okay, now, <laughs> you're not doing, you're not answering this question, I think. And everybody knows the answer. Everybody knows. It would have to. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you why. And the reason why is I hear that Medicare for All or, or the Green New Deal or uh, college debt or reparations or uh, national rent control or, you know, on and on and on, all these different programs that are proposed. I've heard estimates between uh, 30, 30 or 40 trillion to 100 plus trillion in the next 10 years to pay for this stuff. So I went back to the IRS records and I looked at, okay, what was the taxable income of all American taxpayers in the most recent year. And it was just under $11 trillion. And of that, uh, 37% or so was earned by the top 1%. So let's call that $4 trillion was earned. You know, that, that's the total taxable earnings of the top 1%. So if we look at a proposal like Medicare for All, and let's say it's $40, $40 trillion over the next 10 years, all they'd have to do is tax that top 1% increase their taxes by 100% of their total earnings. <laughs> That's great. Here's your tax return. How much did you make? Send it in. No, I wish it was that, only that because they're already paying, you know, maybe 30% or, or plus on, on that income. And so their tax bracket would be literally 130% wow. to pay for <laughs> Medicare for all. So what did you make? Send that in plus 30%. Plus, go borrow some the, money. Where are you going to get the 30%? And, and I hope you have enough energy to do that because we've taken all the ability to put food in your mouth out right, of right. your mouth. You know, they, we're confiscating all of your earnings and then some. So the math, I'm going, wait a second. These people are smart people. Bernie Sanders is not a dumb person. Elizabeth Warren, all these folks are not dumb. Somebody has come to them in their own campaign and said, um, you know, the math doesn't work here, right? And they go, well, you know, they're, they're making a decision to ignore that for political reasons. Mm -hmm. Now, again, I mean, who, who wouldn't want uh, clean air, clean water, no debt for 
college, free college, free medical, free everything. And the problem is nothing's free. Uh, there's a great cost to it. And it's just a allocation of resources. Uh, and do you have the resources? You know, my kid might, might say, you know, dad, when I turn 16, I, I want, you know, give me a great big laundry list. And I say, well, I see that, but my budget for you is 300 bucks. <laughs> so <laughs> if you can fix a Bugatti into your 300 buck budget, right. knock yourself out, but you mm-hmm. probably can't. And, but I need some. I need. I need wheels. Okay. Well, maybe uh, there's a different way to think about this. But you know, you do this math and you start thinking. Well, wait a second. All of the income is four trillion a year from the one percent. How is it possible to do all this? It's not. We just have to do the math. And I wanted to add this this segment. It doesn't have a lot to do with growing somebody's wealth, but it might uh, have an effect down the road if you have this conversation with a couple people that are saying, hey, I support candidates that are essentially uh, not telling you the full truth. Mm. Uh, They're not telling you that uh, things do cost a lot of money and we don't have it. There's not enough money in in the country being earned to have it. And so some of the proposals I've heard is where we not just increase the tax bracket because that wouldn't do it, but now we have a wealth tax, so you got to give money that you have. Or uh, another problem I, I have with all of this is we look at the medical industry and if we turn that over to government, how has been our you know experience with government taking over private industry? Right. Uh, the post office doesn't do really well, does it? No, I, I just looked. Uh, they're projecting record losses this year of $7 billion. And so then I looked up uh, another comparison. I said, well, I, I guess UPS must be struggling too because they're in the same business, right? right? No, they're, they're making a couple billion profit. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, hmm. Uh, I, I wonder if the Postal Service is more of a jobs act or a, you know, a jobs program. Right. And, and uh, it's managed by people that weren't, didn't go to business school necessarily. They went to political science school. Right. And last time I checked, political science people aren't as good at running businesses as business majors are. You know, if, if I go to Boeing, I mean, I'd be surrounded by people with great depth of knowledge. I, I use Boeing a lot because they're in our backyard here in the business world. And their you know mission is to, to make the business successful long term and all of that. And, and that's not really the focus of a governmental agency necessarily. So I, I have a problem with, uh, you know, it all comes back to just the basics. The math doesn't work unless you confiscate assets and all income hmm. and then take over industry. And that sounds like we've seen this happen before in yeah. Russia and Cuba, Venezuela, yeah, right. different places. It, it doesn't work. And here's another thing that, that bothers me uh, besides going into ridiculous amounts of debt, which the future generation just won't be able to absorb or pay back. When I think about people with money, I look at what's happening in states right now. You can look at, just go online and say, okay, what's the migration pattern of people in the Chicago, New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, where they've jacked up tax rates and so forth. The migration is that the people with money are leaving. (laughs) They're moving. Right. They're moving to Texas and Florida and other places that don't have income taxes. What happens if you have uh, new policies in store and in the United States nationwide that have the tax rates at 70 or 90 percent and and asset confiscation and and movement towards socialism or communism? What happens to that, to the assets there? 
I think the Cayman Islands are starting to look pretty darn good. Oh, Malta. Malta places like, yeah, exactly. Uh, Malta Trust. Hey, uh, let's get out of here. All over the, the world. <laughs> Switzerland. Uh, you might want to invest in some Swiss bank accounts because they're going to yeah. be... They're going to be holding all the world, uh, the United States assets at, at some point, uh, at least the assets of the 1% that, by the way, produce most of the jobs. So I'm concerned about that, too, because, yeah, money is fluid. It's going to go. And rich people, people with money are generally pretty smart about money. That's generally why they have it. Not all of them are, but they're probably not going to sit around and just take it if someone wants to take theirs. And so, you know, the analogy would be if you you leave your front door unlocked and somebody steals a bunch of your stuff, probably the next day you're going to lock your door. They're not, you're not going to continue to just let people walk in and take your stuff. Right. And so I, I just see that happening. Well, you know, and then what's the incentive, too? I mean, I go back, I think I told a story a week or so ago on the air, too, about Ronald Reagan back when he was making, you know, Bedtime for Bonzo and things like that. I mean, he would only make one or two movies a year because after that, he didn't make any money. It all went to taxes. Yeah, I just uh, came out with a new Kiplinger article on tax-free investment strategies, and I started it out with uh, a reference to the song The Tax Man by the Beatles. There's one for you, 19 for me, because I'm the tax man. They were at the 95 percent bracket and they were Beatles were complaining we make a million dollars we keep 50 grand mm-hmm. I mean we make you know a hundred dollars we keep five bucks well like pounds I guess in their case and uh, they didn't think that was very fair and uh, uh, I would agree with them I don't think it is but what's their incentive and so uh, that's probably why they came to America they could make say, some money over here that's, I, that's why the British invasion happened back in the 60s could be. <laughs> you could make uh, make some money and keep it here maybe we ought to thank uh, Great Britain for that <laughs> high tax bracket you know bringing over some music oh, over yeah, here with man. the British invasion can I don't you know. imagine being without the Hermans Hermits I mean all Oh, man. How would that? Forget about it. Yeah. Mrs. Brown, you got a lovely daughter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about the top 1% here and uh, real math as far as politicians' ability to do that here on Growing Your Wealth. Interesting conversation, Brian, and we'll continue that at another point in time. Meantime, we do have to take a real quick break here on Growing Your Wealth. When we come back, we're going to be talking about safe money investments. All that and more when our show continues right after this. Stay tuned for more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show you can't afford to miss. Hi, this is Brian Evans, president of Madrona Financial Services. As a CPA and wealth manager, I've had lots of clients who owned highly appreciated real estate. And when it was time to sell that property, they all ran into the same problem, a huge tax bill. Up to now, some of their only options were to either follow the strict requirements of a 1031 exchange for another property or pay the hefty tax on the gain. We have access to another option to help our clients. It's called a DST. With a DST, you can still receive the benefits of property ownership like passive income, but you won't be responsible for all the debt or management. And best of all, a DST may meet the qualifications for your 1031 exchange. Now you can potentially defer the tax hit on your highly appreciated property and still get the benefits of investing in real estate. Call us today at 844-MADRONA to learn more about our DST program or visit us online at madronafinancial.com. DST investments are only available to accredited investors and are offered solely through the issuer's offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents. If you own income-producing real estate, here's some good news. There's now a no-hassle way to invest in real estate using a Delaware Statutory Trust. Join Madrona Financial services for a free DST Lunch and Learn event on Wednesday, October 9th at Matt's Rotisserie and Oyster Lounge in Redmond, or on Thursday, October 10th at Lombardi's in Everett to learn about the many benefits of a Delaware statutory trust. 
We'll also tell you about the Madrona Bundle of Services that brings everything you need to plan for retirement under one roof. Reserve your seats today before they're gone at 844-MADRONA. A DST also qualifies as a 1031 exchange, so you may be able to defer the capital gains taxes on the sale of your highly appreciated income property. Learn how to own shares of income-producing major commercial real estate properties without the obligations and hassles of property ownership. Attend our free DST and Madrona Bundle Lunch and Learn on October 9th in Redmond or October 10th in Everett at noon. Call 844-MADRONA or register at madronafinancial.com. That's M-A-D-R-O-N-A financial.com. You can't build a house with just one tool, and you can't plan for retirement without an integrated, comprehensive strategy. If you want to get more information on the Madrona Bundle of Services, call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now, back to more of Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about investing in safe money alternatives and safe Er money alternatives. That's right, Brian. I mean, technically, I guess any investment isn't a safe investment. There's always some risk to things, but there's more risk to some things than there are other things. So when we talk about safe money investments, Brian, when I hear that on the radio, generally, aren't they just talking about annuities? Yeah, they are talking about annuities. And that's a great comment you just made. Even annuities, the underlying insurance company needs to be solvent to pay you or any you know insurance uh, backing up the, the product needs to be in place and solvent to pay you. Even the safest investment, uh, if we talk about the United States Treasuries, well, that's a double A anymore. It's not even triple A rated uh, by the ratings agencies. And so uh, you have to believe the government will pay you back. And so there is nothing that's completely safe. Some people say, well, what about gold? You know, gold's got to be safe. And well, I remember a few years ago when the market was going way up after 2008 and I saw gold uh, plummeting, uh, there was a, you know, gold was down 30%. The markets were up 30 over this time period. I was thinking, well, that doesn't sound very safe to me. Mm -hmm. Safe means I don't lose any money. So there's always some risk. You're absolutely right, Jeff. Yeah. And, you know, bitcoins, they were the rage. They went up, they went down. So, yeah, as you said, there is no really safe investment. It just depends upon your definition of what safe is. But there are safer investments. And for those people in their portfolio who are, you know, later in life in their portfolio, I mean, they don't have as much risk tolerance as you would if you were a lot younger because they just don't have the years to take that chance. And annuities, though, for them, fixed index annuities, fixed annuities very well could be an answer. Yeah. So the first place we think about is certainly annuities. And as I always mention on the show, if you hear other shows and they go, well, yeah, but there's this other fellow that has a special secret sauce. It's kind of like the Kentucky Fried Chicken formula of, you know, 19 herbs and spices that only he has. No, 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 it's not. I can get the same thing they have. It's just, you know, is it appropriate? And what else do you have? Because if that's all you sell, you may get a sell job uh, that you need annuities and they're going to try and convince you that anything that isn't safe is terrible. Well, if you look at any averages of any investment categories over the years, you'll know that investing in real estate and stocks and other kinds of things can be a very good thing uh, over a longer term if you're diversified and all of that. So I don't rule out any asset class. And so, but the portion, you're right, Jeff, as we get older, the portion we want in safe or safer investments uh, increases generally. And so annuities, obviously, well, you know, we'll just kind of recap the different kinds of annuities real quickly. First, there is something called a fixed annuity. And a fixed annuity, when you purchase it, let's say it's a five-year fixed annuity, 
uh, it will pay you the same interest rate for all five years. And it will probably be much higher. Well, not much higher, but they will be higher than a, a CD might pay you. And uh, it does off, they generally offer some uh, liquidity per year. Now, the next category is a fixed index annuity. And there's basically two ways to use those. One is uh, you get a percentage of whatever index you select with that when the markets are up and you get a zero when the markets are down. So that's a standard fixed index annuity for accumulation purposes. And so there's all kinds of different indexes out there on how they credit you. And so you'd have to come in and make an appointment. We can go over different uh, illustrations on that. Another feature that can be in a fixed index annuity is they can offer uh, cash flow for life. So often they are used as a retirement cash flow strategy. We're going to talk about that in the next segment. But uh, these are ways to have accumulation without risk of stock market loss is a fixed annuity or a fixed indexed annuity. Now, I've heard of immediate annuities and also deferred annuities, and I think they're called SPIAs and DIAs. What are those all about? Yeah, the SPIA is something you put in where you want cash flow for life starting now. And so that's that's what they're basically about. And so they're not going to have a high internal rate of return based upon your life expectancy. It is higher, though, if you live a long time past your life expectancy. So it's just a way to, to, to definitely say, all right, I'm going to take this money. I'm going to spread it out over my lifetime, basically, and I'm going to get a check every month. So I don't have to worry about that. Deferred annuity uh, offer higher payouts, but, you know, you have to wait before you turn them on. So they're just a, like a SPIA that you're waiting uh, to turn it on. But again, it's, they're all annuities and these ha- these are the types of annuities that offer cash flow for life. And so with safe money, you know, certainly we can absolutely allocate some money to fixed annuities. And, and one of the things I'll mention with the inverted yield curve right now, with uh, long-term rates uh, being very low, I want to talk a little bit about long-term rates around the globe. I like to do that every so often during our show. At the date of recording of this show in the United States, the 10-year Treasury pays about 1.7%. Canada, about 1.4%. I'll skip down to the the next group of countries that pay you negative yields, Mm -hmm. which we still struggle with. Everybody I ask, do you understand why somebody buy a negative yielding bond? I I still don't. I mean, why would you loan somebody, let's say, $100, and then they say, hey, it's okay if you give me back 80 Yeah, I mean, it does make sense but to me, but I guess if you're in Germany, for instance, and you're worried about the economy and you just want to get most of your money back but you want it to be safe, uh, you would take that negative uh, half a percent a year that they're willing to pay for 10 years. You give them $100,000 and they'll give you 95000 in 10 years. Super duper. I don't think these are going to be around a long time in the negative space, but they are right now. Uh, and so uh, the countries that are negative right now are Germany, France, Netherlands, Switzerland, and Japan all have negative yielding 10-year bonds. And so, uh, you know, when we're, we want safe money, uh, it's, it's tough. You know, we used to just say, well, just put it into bonds. Bonds are safe. But not only are a lot of bonds paying negative territory, but as interest rates fluctuate, then you can definitely lose money in bonds, especially if rates go up. Now, with bonds as well, too, I understand the inverted yield curve. Of course, you've talked about it a little bit here. But also, as far as bonds go, I mean, for long-term bonds, you're actually getting less percentage return than you are with some of the short-term bonds. Yeah. Surprisingly enough, um, if I 
put uh, clients' money into a 30-year treasury and lock that money up for, you know, that interest rate for 30 years, I won't earn as much as I can earn off a a simple five-year investment in some of these other things uh, that I won't get into details on. But yeah, the shorter-term money is is often paying more interest than long-term money, which is weird. (laughs) It's just (laughs) as weird to me as negative yield curves. And so we're in a funky time right now. So a lot of people are sitting on a lot of bonds right now and they're going, I wonder why, you know, it seems like the stock market's at all-time highs and every time I look, everything's up and I look at my statement and I'm not doing so hot. Well, you might be in the wrong stuff. (laughs) You might be too heavy into things that really have no upside. And so uh, I think it's important to understand with the inverted yield curve, there might be some opportunities on the short-term part, you know, the short end of that yield curve now to have safe money and actually earn something on it relative to long-term money. And these things fluctuate, I would imagine, a little bit too. And what was good for somebody a year or two ago maybe isn't good today. So do you regularly go back and revisit those portfolio decisions that you made and maybe adjust them according to what's going on today? Oh, yeah. We're always uh, meeting with that and, and going over our portfolios. We don't make changes all the time, Just you know, we, we're, but we're certainly aware of what's going on. We do like to sit down, though, and, and what we do is more of a custom approach. I mean, certainly, we, you know, what's the big difference between Madrona Financial and other big companies like a Merrill Lynch, Wells Fargo, Edward Jones? Well, a couple big differences. One, obviously, is we're uh, held to a fiduciary standard, and they generally are not. Another huge difference is that... Uh, we also have a sister CPA firm, and so we can talk income taxes, estate planning, uh, trusts, all that kind of stuff. And your your broker at one of those firms uh, likely cannot. But uh, one of the, the big areas that we like to do is we're very customized in our portfolios. Now, some of these other uh, companies will offer customized portfolios for sure. Uh, I know some of them do not. And so we do. We might look at something, somebody and say, you know, you're just the right age, family longevity history, income bracket, asset bracket, where you might want to uh, shelter income and estate taxes using a fixed index universal life policy or something like that, where we can have, it's a great, you know, can be a great alternative to just plain old stock market investing that has other protections and, and features that the stock market does, primarily income tax, free accumulation of earnings. Brian, you mentioned fixed index universal life policies, the FIUL. How is that a safe money investment? Well, um, like we said, nothing's totally safe, but uh, it's a, we're, we're kind of a, in a safer money. And, and one of the reasons it can be safer than other investments is that the underlying investments generally are indexes with a floor of zero annually. Now, you can lose money at a fixed index universal life policy because if if markets never go up again, you have the cost of insurance, the underlying cost of insurance that you would be paying for to have the life insurance part of the fixed index universal life policy. So, but, uh, you know, on the illustrations and, and uh, you know, the, the running averages and so forth, we, we tend to see uh, positive returns and uh, we'll, we'll illustrate those and discuss the risks associated 
with that when we go over your specific illustration. And it's it's impossible for me to really get into too many details on one of these because people have to get physicals and they, they you know you might be preferred, you might be standard, you might be you know there's like 15 different physical categories that that affect your pricing. Your age affects your your pricing. The the future markets, the insurance companies. So we we do all that analysis to figure out which one might uh, benefit you. But one of the reasons that someone might want to look at something like that is that there's an annual underlying floor of zero on the underlying investments. You had do have life insurance, and any accumulation of gains over time can be taken out permanently, income tax free. We're talking about safer money investments here on Growing Your Wealth. And we talked about, of course, annuities, bonds, the uh, inverted yield curve, and fixed index universal life policies. Now, I know that you may have questions about this. If you do, I invite you to call and get your free confidential, no obligation financial review here at Madrona Financial Services, a chance for you to sit down with one of the advisors here and get your personal questions answered. As I said, there is no cost to this. It's easy to get. All you've got to do is call 844-MADRONA. That's 844 M A D. R-O-N-A. Ask for your free financial review there. You can also get it online at madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. And once again, I highly encourage you to do that. No cost and no obligation. Nobody's going to lock the door behind you and say, what do we have to do to get you to become our client? Doesn't work that way. Once again, 844-MADRONA is the number to call. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth. Thank you for joining us. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about timing of cash flow in retirement when our show continues right after this. Discussing the financial issues that matter most to you. We'll be right back with more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. You own highly appreciated real estate and have decided to sell. You may be faced with limited options that could result in a substantial tax bill. Now, there may be another option. It's called a DST, and it can offer the benefits of real estate ownership without all of the baggage. Brian Evans and his team at Madrona Financial Services are available to see if a DST could be right for you. Call 844-MADRONA to learn if you can invest in real estate without the hassles of being a landlord. You won't be responsible for the debt or management, yet you may still receive passive income. Best of all, the DST program offers a ready-made solution that may satisfy your 1031 exchange requirements, which could provide full tax deferral on the sale of your investment property. Call the team at Madrona Financial Services right now at 844-MADRONA to learn more about DSTs and if they are right for you. That's 844-MADRONA or visit them at madronafinancial.com. DST investments are only available to accredited investors and are offered solely through the issuer's offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents. If you own income-producing real estate, here's some good news. There's now a no-hassle way to invest in real estate using a Delaware statutory trust. Join Madrona Financial Services for a free DST Lunch and Learn event on Wednesday, October 9th at Matt's Rotisserie and Oyster Lounge in Redmond, or on Thursday, October 10th at Lombardi's in Everett to learn about the many benefits of a Delaware statutory trust. We'll also tell you about the Madrona Bundle of Services that brings everything you need to plan for retirement under one roof. Reserve your seats today before they're gone at 844-MADRONA. A DST also qualifies as a 1031 exchange, so you may be able to defer the capital gains taxes on the sale of your highly appreciated income property. Learn how to own shares of income-producing major commercial real estate properties without the obligations and hassles of property ownership. Attend our free DST and Madrona Bundle Lunch and Learn on October 9th in Redmond or October 10th in Everett at noon. Call 844-MADRONA or register at madronafinancial.com. That's M-A-D-R-O-N-A-Financial.com. 
Do you ever worry if your CPA and financial advisor are on the same page? You won't have to if you call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or visit them at madronafinancial.com. Now, back to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about the timing of cash flow in retirement. Now, Brian, everyone knows that when you work, you get a paycheck, you love your paycheck, and then when you retire, you don't get that paycheck anymore because you're not working, but you still need money to live on. So let's talk about income in retirement and the timing of taking that income. It never really occurred to me until you mentioned it, but really the timing, as they say, timing is everything. And when it comes to withdrawing from your investments in retirement, it can mean a lot. Yeah, it really does. And what the thing is that most people, they when they hit retirement, they, they, end up, they have a Maybe they've been putting money away and they own a lot of stock market investments. Well, stocks generally don't have a lot of dividends. Uh, they don't have a big dividend yield uh, as, a, as a group. And so we have to look at, uh, you know, maybe have a lot of net worth. You know, I, I might, here's a, uh, example is say that you had a whole bunch of Berkshire Hathaway stock and a and a hundred acres of commercial land and you say, I said wow you you're worth ten million dollars mm-hmm. um, and they say yeah I am but I haven't eaten in a week because Berkshire doesn't pay a <laughs> dividend and all I do is pay right. property tax on my land you know that's an absurd example but certain investments, assets, pay a really good yield, and certain ones you have to wait to get a yield, and certain ones pay a higher yield. And, and so the timing of all of this is is what I wanted to talk about here. So when you're thinking about pots to pull from, pots of money to pull from, what you're saying is that you basically have to look at how much those pots of money are really earning and pull maybe from the ones that are not earning that much in the beginning? Well, I, I think I would generally start, Let's uh, often I'm talking to somebody, they say, I have a target retirement date. And I was talking to a friend of mine, she's 53 years old, and she said, all right, what if I retired now? How do I pay for my retirement? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things we looked at was her pension. And so the, the options on her pension said, all right, you can start this early, which was great, but early means no earlier than age 55. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, essentially a Boeing pension there. And so that would be one piece of the pie. And the next piece, we're like, okay, what about Social Security? Well, if you're not working, you can start it as early as age 62, but it'll be a lot less than if you wait. So that's kind of a wild card. We're going to put this the side and see if we need it. Another place might be, uh, let's say I wanted, uh, uh, let's say this person was concerned about what if I live a really long time? What if I outlive my actuarial tables? And what if we have inflation down the road, which we will? Then I might have talked to her about a a fixed index annuity. The ones that pay the best are the ones that you wait the longest on, though. And so uh, one of them out there, maybe you wait 10 years to even start it, but it maybe has the best, uh, you know, payouts of any fixed index annuity. And so if she's 53 years old, she says, all right, so that stream of cash flow has started at age 64. That's right. Okay, so now we can plug that into the equation. Well, what if she needed some money earlier, of course? She might buy a SPIA, uh, something that starts right away. Or a deferred annuity, as, as we talked about earlier in the show, the one that you wait three years to start taking money or five years. Those generally have a flat payout to them, whereas maybe the ones you wait longer have an increasing payout. 
Another thing she might have done is done a fixed index universal life. And generally, you got to let those grow. They're kind of more like an orchard than a strawberry plant. Mm -hmm. They got to have some time to grow. And and maybe it's 10 years, maybe it's 15 years. But when she starts taking that money out, it'll be income tax free. So as you can see, and we're going to talk about a couple other areas here. As as you can see, each different kind of investment might have a different target start date. And we got to mix and match this so that we have enough money so that we can uh, successfully survive. Right. Never really occurred to me that if you have Social Security and your pension and all that sort of thing, too, that there's a certain order that you get those in. And your other investments, too, you were talking about the fixed indexed annuity there. What if you have something like a REIT, a real estate investment trust? Right. So a REIT would a high yield, generally a very high yield instrument which was good for retirees, of course. If you're not working, you want more cash flow. And and so if you had an equity REIT or a mortgage REIT, an equity REIT means that you're investing in the real estate part of the, the, the real estate market. A mortgage REIT means you're lending to someone who's investing in the real estate part, and you're doing it in a big group, uh, a big fund with lots of other investors. But those things would, as soon as you did, did one of those, you'd start getting checks uh, that, that next month, essentially. And so that can be a, you know, you, uh, as I just mentioned, there's a couple of maybe 10 or longer year waits to this. You know, like, well, what am I going to eat today? And OK, mm-hmm. that would be one of the ones in the in the immediate column. Now, the person you were talking about here is 53. And to me, that seems like a baby at this point in time. But <laughs> let's say that uh, this person was uh, 67 years of age. They were at the point where they were retiring. They've got these investments. This particular investment, investment one pays this percentage. Investment two pays a little bit more. Investment three pays uh, even a little bit more. Would you rank the withdrawal strategy on those? I mean, would you take the ones that pay the least so that the ones that pay more have more time to earn money for you? I would look at it more in a different way. It's more the timing of when they're getting paid is is the critical piece of this because when we look at rates of returns, I mean those are those vary. They fluctuate. We can't always know what they're going to be. Sometimes the things, often the things with the highest rate of return, have the lowest potential growth, and so we also have to balance that. But that's a good thing you just brought up, Jeff. Is that I was talking about, let's say a 53 year old, and the reason I picked that was because I have everything at my disposal. You know, if they project a normal lifespan, I have everything in my arsenal that I could put this person in. But you just said, what if somebody comes to me and they're 67 years old? Well, then I would kind of rule a few things out. I might rule out the fixed index universal life policy because of the long-term weight. I would rule out that long-term annuity if they needed the cash flow. However, this particular, you know, an annuity might have some other benefits like free life insurance associated with it. So for legacy planning, I might I might include that. But generally speaking, I'm going to cut out the things that are very long waits if you're coming to me and you're already in your 60s. Well, Brian, so much to talk about, so little time, but once again, we're out of time for this week. Before we go, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to us today. The executive producer of Growing Your Wealth is John Capuano. Our director of program operations is the cookie monster, Greg Dennett. Our show is produced by the lovely, talented, and dangerous six-degree black belt Volvo-driving Swedish princess, Stephanie Schoblum. Christy Parmenter is our associate producer. Laura McLaughlin, who is our slave to fashion, is our content supervisor. Josh Toy is our technical editor. And Silverboy Pete Gustin is our announcer. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Have a great Saturday, won't you? We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth.
Do you want to learn how to own shares of income producing major commercial real estate properties without taking on any debt? Join Madrona Financial Services for a free DST Lunch and Learn event at Matt's Rotisserie and Oyster Lounge in Redmond on October 9th or Lombardi's Everett on October 10th at noon to learn about the many benefits of Delaware Statutory Trusts. A DST can also qualify as a 1031 exchange, so you can potentially defer the capital gains taxes on the sale of your highly appreciated income property. Learn how you can invest in current income-producing properties without any of the obligations or management hassles of property ownership. These events fill up quickly, so call 844-MADRONA today. You'll also learn about the Madrona Bundle of Services, which brings everything you need to plan for retirement under one roof. Join us for a free DST and Madrona Bundle Lunch and Learn on Wednesday, October 9th in Redmond, or on Thursday, October 10th in Everett. Reserve your seats today at 844-MADRONA or register at madronafinancial.com. That's M-A-D-R-O-N-A financial.com. The Madrona Bundle of Services has become so popular that we started bundling everything. Hi, this is Brian Evans, founder of Madrona Financial Services, to tell you about the latest thing we bundled, our books. We're proud to announce the Complete Book of Retirement, which bundles together our guides on retirement investing, annuities, passive real estate investing, and even information for the high net worth investor into one convenient and informative book. You can get your free copy today by going to madronafinancial.com. And if you're looking for even more information on investing, you can sign up for Madrona University to continue your investor education. Of course, if you need more personalized help, you can always sign up for a complimentary review. We'll sit down to discuss your retirement plan and explain how the Madrona Bundle of Services provides you with everything you need to plan for retirement under one roof. Get started today by calling 844-MADRONA and don't forget to download your free copy of the Complete Book of Retirement at madronafinancial.com.